everyone. Happy Wednesday. So I hope everyone was uh, able to have a good week. And we're going to start on uh, new chapters on the book club. All right. So again, why are we having uh, our Successful Habits book club? And so we want to build this, uh, create this book club so that uh, we can have a group of people that's like-minded and uh, we want to build all these habits that makes us more successful. And uh, reading books is one of those uh, regular habits as we want to develop and it's one of the most impactful, successful habits we can actually learn. Okay, and these are a few wise words uh, from our uh, wise man in the past. And our vision for this book club is to bring together a group of highly motivated individuals and high performers to grow together. So I know everyone um, in this group, you know, thinks the same way and that we all want to develop ourselves to grow together during this time. And so who are we? We are a technology and data company. We're focused on creating work from home automated systems for the real estate investment community. Although everyone from any type of industry or community is open, you know, we're open to all types of people. So feel free to join us. And our mission is to empower your journey to freedom and success. So we want to be part of your journey and uh, your success as well. And part of our core values is that we are growth oriented. We have a champion mindset. We're always wanting to help everyone win. And we have integrity in what we do. So these are some of our work from home automated systems. We have deal analysis where we where you can run unlimited computations and uh, we have deal finding where we have 45,000 plus motivated seller leads straight to your inbox and a premium where you can get all the emails, phone numbers that you need in your email. And so, if you haven't yet, please join our website um, community. It's found in realestateiq.co. So, we have various groups, not just the book club. We have the hot trends. We have the geek, geeks and nerds, um, real estate investors uh, groups. So, just feel free to drop by and join our different groups in our website. All right, and don't forget if you want to know more about our passive investment program and stay on top of our passive investment opportunities, then you can go ahead and visit this page that we'll be putting in the chat box below. And so you can go ahead and uh, receive more information in your email. All right, let's go ahead and dive in. And right now we are on part two, chapters 11 to 14 of the book, uh, What It Takes. 
Lessons in the Pursuit of Excellence by Stephen Schwarzman. And so in a while, we will have uh, online networking just before we end. Okay. And just a disclaimer, all information that we have in this presentation is intended for educational purposes only. And we don't offer investment, financial, or legal advice. Okay, introducing our panelists on the book club we have right now, uh, Michael Geptius, John, we have Brent, okay. Yes, hi Brent. Hi, how are you? Sorry, <laughs> I was on the phone with a billionaire, so. Oh, yes. So I was like, <laughs> my bad. That's the next chapter, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> You're ahead. So there, and we'll be listening to all these uh, great panelists in a while. So here's the book we're discussing uh, from Stephen Schwarzman, founder of Blackstone. So you can check out Audible if you haven't um, seen the book yet, or if you prefer reading, of course, you can check Amazon. All right. So as for the chapters under this uh, under this part we're discussing today, there's chapter 11. It's titled Cycles, Investing Through Ups and Downs. Chapter 12, There Are No Brave Old People in Finance. And chapter 13, Don't Lose Money, Developing an Investment Process. And chapter 14, Spinning the Wheel Faster. Hope you guys were able to catch up on a bit of reading over the week. And so for cycles, basically he was talking about how the market is, you know, uh, behaving. And he had um, three rules regarding this uh, the, the the market. Rule number one, Schwarzman said that market tops are easy to recognize. So at this stage, buyers become overconfident when they see that you know it's on it's doing well, it's, it's on the top. So they they think that you know it's always gonna be like this and this time it's gonna be different, but it's not. And this means that uh, it's not always gonna be on top, of course. And going to the next rule, rule number two, is there's always a surplus of cheap debt capital to finance acquisitions and investments in hot market. So buyers will start accepting over-optimistic financial forecasts to take on higher levels of debt. So unfortunately, most of these forecasts tend to not materialize once the economy starts decelerating or declining. So they think that because of the optimistic financial forecast, then they can go ahead and take on a higher level of debt. But because sometimes these forecasts, you know, they don't really turn out well. So once it goes down, then uh, that's when it goes downhill. And rule number three is loose credit conditions and a rising tide can make it easy for individuals without any particular strategy to make money accidentally. 
So you would know this through the number. Oh, sorry. <laughs> through the number of people you know who start getting rich. So there become an increase in the number of investors who claim that they are outperforming the market. And so suddenly there's a rise of people who actually make money accidentally, even without any strategy or even without researching on that particular market. And so these types of uh, money-making strategies or situations can be pretty short-lived. So what we can see here is that Schwarzman mentioned that markets are cyclical. So even though it is, many investors act like they don't know this. So we can see in this chart from S&P 500 index, a historical chart from 1990, uh, the red lines uh, indicate those that are uh, the times that it was in recession. So those were the years 1990, 2001, and of course, everyone knows 2008. And so we can see that there's a little bit of red going into this year of 2020. So we're probably seeing a little bit of recession as of well, as of now. The, Is that right? <laughs> So yes. look, look at this graph and look at the year after. Yeah. Look at the year after every one of these recessions. Such it's, a big. It's always bigger. So other yeah. than what it came in, uh, it, it was higher in the mid nineties in the, but I mean, look how fast it, it typically recovered. recovered. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so as you can see, it's, it's really just a cycle although it doesn't really recover that fast, it would still take time to recover. But what it's saying is that um, you can invest when your values have recovered at least 10% from the, from the low. And that's when you can ride, ride on the wave, you know? So it's better to, to lose the first 10 to 15% of the recovery to ensure that you're buying at the right time. So I know there are a lot of people more knowledgeable in stocks here than me, but uh, so that's just it. These are going through ups and downs and it definitely will go up even after this, uh, you know, 2020, but you have to ride a wave and, and make sure to give enough time to recover, which it definitely will. And so he was saying some interesting idea that investors are interested in psychological comfort. So that's a big term because that comfort comes from being part of a herd when even when the herd is losing money, that's fine with you because you're going where most of them are. And so doing what everybody else is doing is... It's like a way to say that it's, I'm avoiding all these blame because even if it goes down, well, a lot of us are going down. So that's not really a good way. So if you're really uh, a, a smart investor, then you will be performing, you know, 
you will have self-discipline and really research on the market and make sound risk assessment. So even when markets are reversing and even when there's this ups and downs, you know your stuff, you have already done your research and you'll be able to uh, recover in good time. So that's what you're saying. It's just going through ups and downs. Okay, that's, sorry, that's what I was saying. So they were interested in psychological comfort. So what we're saying is that uh, we shouldn't really go with what everyone else is doing. And if you really want to be that person, you know, who is successful, uh, you have to make sure that you're not just going with the flow, but you have your own basis for the decisions that you're you're making in investments. Okay, so on the next chapter where he dis uh, discussed failures, so he's looking at failures as being the best teacher. Yes, it is the best teacher in any organization, and you mustn't bury your failures, but you can. You must talk openly about them and analyze them, how, you know, what went wrong so you can actually learn from it. And he saw failure as a gift and a catalyst so he can initiate a change. And so if we look at it this way, then we won't be afraid of failure. So... Uh, so he just uh, basically discussed what happened to them, why uh, they were able to learn from it. So they were, uh, they had a business decision that went wrong. And so they decided to learn from that, from that failure. And so out of that, they, they came up with two fundamental rules. Well, not two, but uh, they decided that when they're going to make a business decision, they want everyone to speak. They want everyone to have the chance to, to voice out what they think of that. And everyone have to find out what the weaknesses is. So it's not just, you know, um, seeing what works, but you have to be the devil's advocate and really see um, what, are, what are the hidden things that are possibly, you know, going to come up in the next few years that we haven't seen yet. And so with this kind of um, rules that they had, they were able to share responsibility for the decisions that they made because at that time that Schwarzman had a, a failure in, in decision making, all the blame came upon him because he was the only one who made the decision. And so in order for that not to happen again, they want everyone in the room, you know, to share the responsibility and make it a collective decision. And yes, that is a good thing because you know, it's not just because you're, you've been long, you've been in the industry a long time or that you have one perspective, but everyone has a good idea 
to contribute. And so it's good to be able to share views with others before being able to come up with that decision that would affect your company or your uh, everyone else. And so, uh, well, of course, he did say don't lose money. He's saying that uh, it's best to minimize uh, loss as much as possible to develop an investment process. And with the last chapter, Spinning the Wheel Faster, he was saying how they were able to come up with two expectations at Blackstone. So when they onboard people uh, or new, new employees at Blackstone, they want them to have a culture of being properly trained, that they would be informed, confident, prepared, and ready to work. And so uh, they established these two expectations, which are excellence and integrity. So with excellence, he actually expected that they would give 100% on everything and that means no mistakes and of course that is uh, impossible to do but he's saying that even if there is a little bit of margin of error that would already impact the company in a big way so he's saying that we have to minimize the um, the errors as much as possible and so they can achieve the excellence and if there's something that uh, he does value it's his reputation so he's mentioning that there was a um, he he was working with other people who had like uh, shady connections and he was glad not to be a part of that. So it turned out that those people, you know, um, became charged with uh, fraudulent activity in the stock market. So what he valued is that he never risked his company's reputation. He never risked his own integrity. And so he just followed uh, the rules. He just did what he said he would do. And so that's a good thing to really um, think about. And that was what established Blackstone as the company it is today, based on these two uh, expectations that he had. And another thing that he, that Michael always mentioned was that don't waste your time trying to reinvent the wheel. So if you, uh, if it takes you eight hours to do something, but as he mentioned, his wife could do it in an hour or less, then why not just have that person do it for you? And in that way, you can actually do yourself a favor and do something more productive. And right, so you can focus more on what will actually give value to yourself or to your company. And so all in all, I really learned a lot uh, from these four chapters, from the, from the uh, stock market, from being a wise investor, and from the values that that uh, Schwarzman was repeating. You know, it's actually like, or 
he's repeating it all over the book, so you can't really miss it. And uh, yeah, these are very good fundamentals to have, not just at work, uh, but at, in life, of course. And um, I hope you guys also was able to learn a lot from these four chapters. And yes, go ahead, uh, our panelists can take it away. Cool. So um, again, I, I really uh, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of this. I am gonna uh, go ahead and since we talked about rules, I'm gonna break one of those. I do want to go back into a chat into something that we didn't cover last week because I didn't read the right thing. Uh, on page 133, at the very bottom, he says, "To be successful, you have to put yourself in situations and places you have no right being in." You shake your head and learn from your own stupidity. But through sheer will, you wear the world down and it gives you what you want. Um, one of the things that I've said uh, that I say a lot is I've never done anything that I was qualified to do before I did it. Uh, so since one of the things that we talk about is successful habits, and that's what this book club is for, is successful habits. And, and part, of, part of getting qualified to do something is just doing it. Um, uh, I, I talked to a, to a new investor today that, you know, he's been uh, putting off, putting off, putting off, putting off, doing any door knocking or cold calling. And within 24 hours of him actually doing something that he wasn't comfortable doing, He's got a solid lead in an appointment within 24 hours of taking action instead of, you know, just, just holding back because you're not, because you, um, you don't feel prepared or qualified partner with people. If, if you're, if you're that nervous, set an appointment and partner with somebody. I guarantee you, if you get an appointment set, you're, you can find somebody to go on that appointment with you and partner on the deal with you. I bet somebody that's nodding at me uh, right now with a very streamlined haircut would be willing to, to walk through that. Uh, made for speed. Not mentioning any names. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and and I mean that's uh, partner with somebody. Set set an appointment. Get get that set up. Um, but you're as, as real estate investors. There's there's not a level of preparation that you're not going to screw up. There, there just is not a level of preparation that you're not going to screw something up. So uh, you, you need to just take action. Uh, that, that is a huge cure for success is just taking massive action. Um, and then uh, the cycles, man, uh, I'd, I'd rather be lucky than good. I'd rather be lucky than good when it comes to, comes to the cycles. Um, everybody looks like a genius in an up market. Um, there's, uh, you know, coming in. So I, I got into real estate in 2010, which is right, right as the market started to turn back up, um, buying properties at the, at the bottom of the market worked out really, really well. And I saw people in, you know, 14, 15, 16, uh, that built, that built, uh, luckily not people in my network, but uh, I saw a bunch of people that were offering too much because the market was going to save them. It didn't really matter what they, it, when you're having, you know, 
12% appreciation a year, 15% appreciation a year, it doesn't matter how much of a discount you buy the house at. You're, the market's going to save you. Well, the market's not going to save you. Um, yeah, never, never count on the market to sell you. Um, but things that, uh, that, are, that really stuck out to me, on page 144, the number of investors claiming outperformance grows with the market. The number of investors claiming outperformance grows with the market. Smart investors perform well through a combination of self-discipline and sound risk assessment, even when the market conditions reverse. So one thing, uh, it, I, this is actually, I guess, a really, really good reputation to have as an investor is at this point, when I show a pro forma to a potential investor on, on one of our bigger deals, they say, all right, you, you showed me the conservative. What do you really think it is? But that, that I, I have the, and that's a great reputation to have that they know that whatever I show them isn't nearly what I'm actually expecting. Um, and, and that's because I like happy surprises. I like happy, I like cutting somebody a bigger check than I told them that I was going to cut them. Um, so when I, when I, so when I underwrite a deal, I underwrite it way under, way under performing, uh, what I think it's actually going to be because I don't want to be the person that says it's going to be this and then have it not hit those marks. I, I would rather have my success and my results speak for me rather than, rather than showing uh, inflated numbers. Uh, the, when, whenever we talk about cycles, I always think Warren Buffett, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Um, so you can definitely uh, uh, keep an eye on, on the market that way. Um, uh, by the way, um, so I, I, I love doing this. I love doing this in a class. All right. I love doing this in a live class. And, and what I like to do is I like to say, all right, I'm going to show you the real estate market. So the real estate market is typically two years down, five years up, two years down, five years up, two years down, five years up. Well, we're what nine years into what's normally a five year up market because we are still technically in a up market. So what I love to do is I love to explain that. And I like to tell people, okay, tell me where we are. Tell me where we are in the in the real estate market. So you you answer it for yourself, and I don't gonna I don't gonna make fun of anybody's because there's there's no live audience. But tell me where we are in in the real estate market. Tell tell me tell me tell me where you guess. All right, get we don't know we don't know because we don't know where we are in the market until after it already happens. So that that that's the short answer is is we never know exactly where we are. The only way to know where the real estate market is is hindsight. Um, I, I'll tell you this, I've been conservative since I've been very, very conservative, uh, since the end of, uh, middle of 2017. Um, I quit taking on, uh, uh, single family residences over a half million dollars, um, mid, mid 2017, um, just because that's, I'm, I'm, I was no longer comfortable with the risk. Uh, I, I saw that they were sitting longer. So, um, be conservative, be, be a very conservative investor and don't stretch the investors that stretch are the investors that, that lose money. Um, uh, so I, I love the, uh, Sherry pointed this out. Uh, the way to avoid the tax situation is to invest only when the values have recovered at least 10% from their lows. 
asset values tend to increase as economies gain momentum, it's better to give up the first 10 to 15% of a market recovery to ensure that you're buying at the right time. Um, it's, it, that, that's all right. We don't have to get all of the money. We never have to get all of the money. We just have to make sure uh, that, it, that it's a good deal for everybody involved. Um, this, is, this is something else that stuck out to me. And it's a different topic, but the next paragraph, he says, while most investors say they're interested in making money, they're actually interested in psychological comfort. So that there, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, uh, and, and kind of what he was talking about was investors wanted to do what the herd is doing because human beings are sheep. Um, and we just want to feel like we're doing what everybody else does and we're okay being wrong as long as, as, long as we weren't wrong by ourselves. Um, but this, uh, this tell, uh, really struck out to me, struck home with me, uh, because I, I structure a lot of deals for passive investors and, and it's a investors say they're interested in making money. They're actually interested in psychological comfort. What, what investors say they want and what they actually make decisions on, uh, is, is, changes it depends so um i i was working so one of the projects i'm working on is, a, is i'm working on starting a, a hedge fund to buy single family houses and in uh in talking to a bunch of investors um they said uh, i i had put together a what i call what i call an infinity fund which is a we put in our money we get all of our money back and then we keep the assets for cash flow forever now that's going to give you a two and you're going to get all of your money back in year three. And then you're going to get a two and a half percent return from now on and, and forever. And, uh, that, that sounds really good until you ask somebody to write a check. And then they say, Oh, well this deal, this deal is going to pay me 18% in five years. Well, yeah, but this, but this deal is going to pay you forever. Yeah. But that, I, I really like that idea. I really like that idea, but th this one, this one shows a fourteen percent in year five. So it's it, it's a be aware of what people tell you, and be aware of uh, of what they're uh, actually going to choose. So there, I'm I, I don't know the the most politically correct way to say this. So I'm going to go out and, and offend everybody. So. There was a stereotype. I'm not saying that it was accurate, but there was a stereotype um, several years ago where, and, and I'm not up to date on on what the ladies are looking for. I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm I'm off the market, so I don't know. I've I've lost my my market research. But there is a stereotype that girls would always say they want a good guy. Girls want a good guy. Who do they Who do they really date? Who do they really date? The bald-headed men. Hey, there you go. There you go. The jerk that's going to break their heart. Okay. Uh, and, and, and I mean, it's a, uh, and, and we have to look at this with whoever we're dealing with. We have to be able to listen to what they're actually telling us. And, and there, there is weight to that. But then really be able to listen and discern what, what it is they're, they're really looking for, whether you're working with a homeowner trying to buy their house, whether you're uh, looking to, uh, for an investor to make an investment in one of your deals. 
understand understand the difference between what they say they want and what they're really looking for. Um, so that that that's not exactly what he's talking about, but that's something that, that I really uh, took out of that. And Brent, um, I think a good example to that is, you know, I actually ran into this again today. It seems like I run into this daily. Even just a lot of investors will say, oh, you know, I want to partner and I want to learn so much and I'm willing to work with people. And then, you know, they partner with you on two deals. You hit home runs with them and then they go silent. And then all of a sudden you get a call a couple of weeks later where they've gotten themselves in over their head. They tried to do everything by themselves and it's going to take so much effort and energy to try and undo the egg that they scrambled that it, you're like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I don't, I, I don't run a lot. I'm, I'm pretty good at unscrambling a lot of stuff. I did have somebody that like, I was like, well, that really sucks. Um, it's, it's a, um, don't, and I, and I think that comes back to don't get too aggressive. Don't get, don't get too aggressive on anything. Um, and, and this carries over. Uh, so about half the titles of the chapters I'm highlighting uh, but uh, the title of one of the chapters is there are no brave old people in finance. There are no brave old people in finance. There are no brave old real estate investors. Um, uh, it's take every, I, I, I mean, it's a, the, the more I invest, the more conservative I get, the more I, I, I mean, everything has to, uh, the, the market's not going to save us from anything. Um, uh, but I mean, there's, uh, you, you can't get too aggressive. You can't, uh, you know, pursue things that, that don't fit uh, your model. Um, this, this is something that, um, you know, when we, uh, the, a lot of this is start really starting to play into the real estate world um, uh, that, that I see. Um, this is talking about not getting sold on doing, you know, bad deals. Uh, he said, finance is full of people with charm and flip charts who talk so well and present so quickly you can't keep up. So you have to stop that show. You, you have to make sure that the, that the facts line up. You, you've got to make sure that everything pencils out. Don't just go based off of, um, based off of what somebody's telling you. Look for evidence. You have to do your own due diligence. You, you have to run your yes. own comp every time it doesn't it doesn't matter how great the wholesaler says the deal is it doesn't matter how great the the whole run your own due diligence every time um i do i do a lot of wholesaling and i always tell people do your own due diligence michael i'm sure you tell everybody do your own hundred percent hundred percent um guess what when i wholesale when i wholesale i undersell that too why because i believe in repeat business I believe in repeat business and I don't want to put people in a, in a bad position. One, I got to sleep at night Two, um, there. If, if I lie to them, they're, uh, they're not going to come back to me. I don't, I don't want to go find a new buyer every time. I want to sell to the same person over and over and over and over. Well, and, and to that point, Brent, I, I'm at the point on a lot of stuff now. So every number we put out there, we 100% can back up. 
It may be a different number than you come up with, but we can back up how we came yeah. up with that, with our number. But I get people now and they'll say, well, well, what are the rental rates? And I'll be very polite and I'll say, I'm sorry, that's part of your own due diligence. I mean, I know what the rental rates are, but we have so many people I've found that won't do their own due diligence that are, are, want to buy a house sight unseen based off of my rough estimate for rehab. And I'm just like, no, you've got to do your own due diligence because you should not be doing anything based off of what I'm telling you. Even because your idea of what the right numbers are or your level of finish out or your exit strategy may not align with, with what I'm looking at. So it's not that we're trying to be dishonest, but don't, I, I hate to say don't, some people are trusting and some people are lazy. Either one is going to get you in just as much trouble. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the, he keeps on talking about this. We would obsess about the downside of every potential deal until we're certain we could not miss. Um, part, of, part of my due diligence and part of my understanding on every deal I do is if I'm not absolutely thrilled with my best case scenario, I'm not going to do the deal. If I'm not incredibly happy with my most likely case scenario, I'm not going to do the deal. If I'm not happy, if I'm not good, if I'm not okay with my worst case scenario, I'm not going to do the deal. And I've always got to look at those three things whenever I'm analyzing a deal. Um, uh, so, I mean, that's, uh, it's, I love the way that they're set up to, to protect themselves. Uh, psychology would be one of my greatest strengths as, as an investor. Um, and, and that's when, what he was talking about here was a lot of mental fortitude to, to, to stick with things. Um, but I mean, psychology is, is one of my greatest strengths as, as an investor. I mean, under, whether that's the psychology of the deal, whether that's the psychology of the negotiation, whether the, everything is uh, psychology. So I do, I do a lot of marketing. I have I have uh, I have a under I have a BBA and I have an MBA. My BBA is in economics. My MBA is in marketing. I use my BBA in economics for my marketing more than I use my master's in marketing um, because economics is the study of why do businesses do what they do, why do people do what they do. Um, if we can figure that out, if we can figure that out, we can structure any deal the right way. We can make our marketing piece appeal to the right people. Um, if we can figure out and hone in on why do people do what they do, then that's how we can make money. That that's going to be how we find our our greatest opportunities. Um, Michael, I know you talk to a ton of sellers, um, and, and and it all comes down how. So you you work with you you do primarily single family. Some dabble in commercial, but primarily single family, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and you do you do primarily commercial and dabble in single family. Is that right? That's right. So we're so um, and I do I do quite a bit of both. And when we're on the single family side, the negotiations are pure emotion, pure emotion. We don't need just go ahead and check out the logic. Just we don't we don't need any logic. Whereas um, on the commercial side, it's mostly logic and, and, how, do, and how does the logic make us feel? Um, there, there is, there, there's always going to be emotion. There's not always going to be logic. There's not always going to be logic. 
So we, we have to use both um, in, in our investments and in, in, our, in our negotiation. So Michael, what, how, how often does, does any logic or reasonable thought process go into your, uh, it, go into your negotiations? Almost, almost never. I mean, you've got to explain it. You've got to go over it. You've you got to go down that road. But if you're not prepared, if you, if you do solely based on logic, you're going to close almost no deals. So the, here's, here's, the, here's the single family deal where you're gonna, where you're gonna use logic. And it's almost always gonna be a probate, okay? You're, you're, you're yep. probate with the very left brain executor of the estate. Um, I, I had a, one specific deal that was a probate and me and my cousin showed up and the, uh, the homeowner handed us a notebook that he made to show the investors that he was showing the house to where he had made a blueprint of the entire house and, and he went through and made notes of what improvements he thought would need in each room of his mom's house. And, and I mean, he literally handed us a binder and I'm like, well, I feel unprepared. <laughs> um, that, that, but I mean, that's almost the only pure logic is, is a, is going to be a probate. Um, where where you're going to run into that a lot. And then, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, it it was, it was somebody, uh, somebody had commented on one of my posts the other day and they said, uh, I I do these posts where I talk through a scenario that I encountered and I, and I leave it like a cliffhanger and say, what would you say or do? And I get a bunch of, elicit a bunch of response and then I tell them how I handled it. And it's, it's fun. And somebody had said, well, you know, you need to, you need to uh, get them to nod yes and agree, and then you've got it done. And I said, I can't tell you the amount of times I've got them to nod yes and agree, and, it, and, and it's still not a done deal because you, you need the emotion behind it. Um, but I, I've got a bunch of stuff here that is, some of it's on the chapters we have, all of it we've covered today, and all of it ties back to one form or another, everything about this book. Brent, I can't tell you enough about how much I agree with you on the doing uncomfortable stuff. Guys, I've knocked on over a thousand doors. I do seminars now on door knocking where they, every single one has been sold out with over 75 people in every class. I, if you ever wanted to point to somebody who hated door knocking and was so relieved when nobody answered the door in the beginning because they were so uncomfortable, that was me. And I will tell you, it is like combat training. It is phenomenal how, how good it can make you in closing regular deals, closing over the phone, handling, handing, handling uh, objections. Immediately. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal training program. Uh, you, you know, Brent, you and I were talking about a deal the other day, and, 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 and these, some of these points are overarching. And you started to think out loud, and you said, oh, wait, I'm, I'm sorry, you probably don't want to hear that. And I actually thought to my, I think I said this. I don't know if I said it out loud. I was thinking it on the inside. No, I do want to hear it. I do want to hear what you're thinking because I could learn a thing or two. And, and the, the minute you stop learning or you stop trying to understand, I don't care how good you are, you're doomed. I, I had a, a person today, uh, I, I sent out another one of my emails for properties yesterday and, and I had over uh, almost 150 emails I woke up to this morning that I was trying to get through. And I actually had somebody telling me that she couldn't believe I hadn't heard of them. They were the biggest 
uh, portfolio buyer in the country and they almost bought this company and they almost bought that company and she sent me links to all these articles about them and and I thought two things first of all okay the fact that you're spending so much time bragging to me about you uh, I don't think you're as good as you think you are and second of all if you're that good and you work for the largest uh, a portfolio or fund in the country why do you have a gmail address Brent's laughing because he knows what I'm talking about it's it's like I'm I'm sorry. I think you may be at best an as somebody who brings them deals on the side or something. So, guys, don't get caught up in the ego. Don't get caught up in believing how awesome you are. Stay true to who you are. Stay down earth. There's always somebody better than you. Always. You know, don't don't play that. Don't don't get caught in that game. Really don't. And and that ties back to what we were talking about in reputation. That's where I was going with that. Um, you know, I, I did a class on day on business basics and etiquette, and I can't tell you how many slides I put up where I said integrity is everything. Your reputation is everything. Brent, your reputation speaks for itself, and that's what people need to be working towards is to have that for themselves also. Uh, when we saw the side in the beginning, it's slide, uh, bullet number two made me think of motivated buyers. Uh, no, I'm sorry, bullet, yeah, bullet number two on the slide. Motivated Shirley, by... Sure. I'll show you how weird my brain works and why I thought <laughs> of that. That uh, was this... No. This... There you go. Cheap debt capital to finance acquisitions on a hot market. Buyers will start... Oh. Buyers will start accepting over-optimistic financial forecasts to take on high levels of debt. That to me screams motivated buyer. And we deal with those every day. And that's why I won't do diligence for people looking at buying my deals or looking to, you know, guys, you gotta stay realistic. Well, you, you, go, go ahead. We, we looked at this deal a month ago. It was, it was a portfolio. Um, it, was, it was a portfolio and it had the car wash in it and it had, it was high end deals in Fort Worth. Do you remember this deal, Michael? But yeah. And, and I mean, that was, this guy got cheap money. Okay. Cheap money. I, I, I don't even remember the, all, all the specifics of the deal, but he got cheap money and he got over leveraged and he had like 15 projects that were, that were half done because he got in over his head because he got in, he got over optimistic. That, that, that's exactly right. And guys, going back to what we were saying earlier about uh, part of this book is partnering with other people who have strengths and this and that. I, I had two, or, two new investors or newer investors who had come to me recently and one of them wanted to come to me. The other one, the partner didn't really want to because they wanted to keep the money for themselves uh, and they had no deal. And I looked at it yesterday afternoon and I said, there's one way we can turn this into a deal. You need to do X, Y, and Z. And if we can get X, Y, and Z, we can make this into a deal that will happen. And they he just emailed me an hour ago and they were said, holy moly, you were right. We just got eight y, X, Y, and Z. And you know what, guys? I just turned a no deal into a deal for them. So that's my point of partnering with others, looking for others that you can learn from, always learn and, and just keep moving forward. He talked about it, surrounding yourself with the right people, surrounding yourself with people who are capable. Yeah, you, it, it's the path to success and don't get greedy. Yep, yep. 
John, we've been we've been monopolizing. What 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 are you saying? Well, uh, this is just a normal trend. You guys talk, and then I, I jump in and make a few comments. You know, it's always nice that way. Uh, no, I actually um, am more focused. I mean, what you guys are saying is is great. I'm, but I'm actually more focused on the I think the last two chapters where he talked about he was making new hires to take over his position in the company. I'm not sure if I'm on on track or if I'm overstepping into next week's chapters. Right. So um, I think that's real important because I think same as anyone, uh, any entrepreneur, we like to make our business run by itself. We don't want to be the person who's like micro controlling everything and and trying to run everything. and I'm actually more focused on um, where where he actually uh, was uh, hiring people that he feel would be perfect for the job, and why. What are the attributes that they uh, they can bring to to the company, and how similar their mind thinks. And I think that just goes back to what we were talking about last week about making a team. And you got to have a team that. First of all, I have the same core value as you. I don't know if Steve's on, but Real Estate IQ is really big on their core values. And uh, I'm sure Michael here is very, uh, you know, very uh, big on the core value, which is, I guess, integrity, which is a lot of people's core value, um, and and just make it work. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and I, I just like to, to put it in Brent's work, I like to be lazy someday not now but someday and and make people run things for me where i just you know open up my cell phone and and look at how things were done and then maybe give a call one one hour to two hours uh you know a day and then and then let the money run by itself so for me that's more important and how he views people you know from i think from last week and from two weeks ago uh, the chapter he was constantly interviewing in his own way people he thought fit for the job he was interviewing the guy that you know was wanting to do real estate and then the guy had a success and got bought out by goldman and then he hired another guy who if you read on next chapter you'll find out what he did um and i think that's just to me that's more important than well not not more important that's that's what i got the most out of out of the this week's chapters uh, is is really finding that right person where they are how do you say it? they are um, they have something that you don't have but they are on the same page as you right so synergy right exactly like you know for me I I can you know, I can analyze things and and do all this stuff but if you want me to go door knock and cold call I go ah, I'll do it but you know I go. Ah. <laughs> Um, and I, and, and, and that's, that's my thing, which is probably why I do more commercial, but then I found out commercial is actually the same thing. You got to go home and it's the same thing, right? Uh, it's just that they are more interested if you tell them I'm willing to offer you X number and that X number makes sense versus, you know, you, for residential, I found you can tell them I'm willing to offer you X number and they say, you know, words that I don't want to say in those webinar. So, Yeah. So that's that's kind of my my get on this. I like it. I like it. Um, we're we're uh, kind of close on time. Shirley, do yeah. we want to bring in everybody to to kind of get any? I, I always like. Uh, oh, sure. We've got our we've got our dream team of attendees. <laughs> and I'm 
I'm going to be uh, introducing Arthur as well. He's going to it's gonna join us as a as a host next uh, the next few weeks. <laughs> okay, so there everyone's everyone's boarded in, and if you could also turn on your camera. Hi, Juan. How are you? I'm doing well. How about y'all? Great. Uh, how did you find this uh, la latest chapters? I I I I love. I mean, I love the book. I've already finished it, but it's actually really good because today, like today earlier, I read the four chapters that we were, so it gives me the opportunity to go back and reread something and and really, um, and really get to to some of the things that I really uh, liked. Um, all of y'all already covered uh, on one forty nine where it says failures are the best teachers in any organization. Um, you must not bury your failures, but talk about them. I thought I think that's a really good thing. And right now, when Michael was talking about, um, and Brent was talking about just doing the work, um, and just and 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 mentioned about cold calls, um, I would love to take any one of you guys up on cold calls to help because I have had some terrible results. I don't know if I'm not smiling enough when I'm calling, or if they can't see me smile or what it is, uh, but I don't get calls back or I, I just, I just can't get through to that, to where we can have that conversation about, Hey, so, uh, I'm talking about my failures here. Uh, cause I, you know, but I really, like I said, I'm really enjoying the book and I, uh, I wanted to go to the, one of the biggest things for me was, um, on on spinning the wheel factor you, you made you made this statement uh Sherilyn. um don't waste your time trying to reinvent the wheel there are plenty of wheels around you ready made just waiting for you to spin it further and faster and i really i like the idea of you know that's why i joined this group um and something that y'all mentioned I, I, I couldn't find it in in these chapters when y'all were talking about i was trying to look for it is that psychological mm. part where when he gets when he when he's talking about somebody trying to bring him into some kind of deal, but he feels like this isn't, and then later on it was it was they they get they get uh, they get arrested and, and put in jail for for fraud or what have you, and it reminded me of not that these people are being fraud, but one of the it reminded me of joining because I was one of the gullible folks who joined one of the national programs, um, and realized. Uh, you know, after three or four months of being in it, that you know they're they're, they're not good at all. They're they're really bad about coaching. They're, they're they're and and then joining the big dogs and being part of that, I was like, wow, this is this is what it's supposed to be like. Um, so I don't want to monopolize the the conversation on my part, but I wanted to to say that. So yeah, right now when Michael was talking about uh, his classes and stuff, I was like, man, I'd I'd love to. You know, if you if one of those cold calls things when you said that, I was thinking, man, I need to because man, I am really uh, not obviously not very good at it. So yes, I know. And on that part of cold calling, you know, just do it, right? You're you're probably yeah. I don't have any problem calling. Yeah. Just, just uh, cold call and call again. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 had, I had that. After all, they said just quit calling or they don't answer my phones anymore. Calling, call again. Yeah. 
there's a uh, the the two the two keys to success in life: do more and get better. Can I tell you that I write that on my daily journal every morning? I heard you say that in Vegas, and I was like, and I've been writing down that. I just like that's my one of my go-to things: just do more, get better every day. So just just, just whatever whatever you want success in, do more and get better. But you won't know until you actually do it. <laughs> right. So thank you. Um, how about Robert? Robert Haley? Would you like to turn on your camera? I would love to turn on my camera, <laughs> except for my 18-year-old has stolen it so he can stream <laughs> video games on Twitch. That's fine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I have ordered another one, but uh, Logitech has them back-ordered. Um, sometime in mid-June, they said I should expect to see that change. So um, I promise I'm not sitting naked in the in a mud mud puddle or something weird. I just don't have a camera right now. So that was um, a little that was a little specific. I don't know. If, uh... Well, you know. Well, you, and you and you know me, Brent. So. I, I do love this book. I got, I got, uh, I got this book from my father-in-law for uh, Christmas, and I hadn't read it yet, just because I have so many other books that uh, that that came or ba- came to me about the same time that I've been reading, and I love the information. This, this stru- and and these chapters. And now he's getting more into the meat of. Um, you know, it's, we're, we're through his childhood and his past, and it's more about how he really conducts business and conducts himself. And I, I mean, I'm, uh, and I, this is just full disclosure and I'm being upfront with you guys. There are certain things that are what's really hitting with me. And, and I, I think Brent will agree with this. Make sure you always go back and reread or re-listen to books because you're going to get different lessons out of it every time, depending on where you are in your particular walk journey you know, whatever. And for me right now, because of some situations that happen, um, I I'm, I'm operating out of integrity. And so it's, so it's like somebody is stabbing me in the heart every time he talks about it. Um, and it, it, it's really, it's really what is I'm honing in on at the same time. I'm having a hard time maintaining the interest in the audio book. I've been having to go back and forth to Oklahoma, uh, multiple times a week um, dealing with uh, an issue with my uh, my residual limb and my uh, prosthetic leg and um, so I'm doing a lot of books on tape well the problem I'm having is this is and while I love biographies and autobiographies at the same time I'm I'm listening to I'm in Grant Cardone University and I'm listening to all this Grant Cardone material which is high energy high impact you know and then trying to go back and listen to this, and it's it's been really hard. And then I'm also uh, reading Brendan uh, Brendan Burchard, uh, High Performance Habits, and so I'm having a hard time focusing because I'm getting hung up on the pace. And yeah. so I'm gonna go. I'm, I've I've gone back. Actually, I started when I got home today. I started and I went back, and I'm actually physically reading. I, I'm I'm. Uh, uh, he doesn't know he's a mentor. He's a silent mentor. But one of my mentors, uh, Brent. Um, I, I grew up where you don't mark in books. Books are precious. 
And so when he was talking about highlighting, I have two Bibles, for example. I have one Bible that is just shredded. Pages are dog-eared. There's notes written in it. It's highlighted. And then I have the pristine one um, that was given to me by my mom because you you don't mark in books. Um, But I have gone back and I've started highlighting and and reading in my own voice um, so that I can get the stuff that I'm missing. So anyway, it's, it's... um, you know, the, the operating integrity and, and, uh, you know, doing, doing what you say, um, he doesn't say this. He, he, impl- I don't think he implies it. Um, this is an old T. Harvecker. Um, how you do anything is how you do everything. And, um, so that, that's where I'm at in life. So the, the message I keep hearing, no matter what chapter we're reading, integrity and, um, you know, and, and not operating out of fear. So, yep. Great, great. Thanks, Robert. You bet. <laughs> um, so, Arthur, uh, can you just say hi to everyone? Yes, hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I wanted to say something, but um, I haven't reached yet chapters 11 to 14, so I'm still around chapters 4 to 5. But okay. hopefully next week I'll be able to catch up and um, say my, uh, my, my thoughts on, on the book. Thank you. Sure. So he's going to be, uh, he's part of RAQ and he's going to be uh, our webinar host soon. Awesome. All right. Cool. But I'm still going to be around. Don't worry. And so next week, we're going to have three chapters on part three. So chapters are 15 to 17. And well, I think I'm, I'm actually going to, start sending you guys SMS or text message to remind you on what chapters we're going to discuss, if that's okay with you guys. And, oh, and if you're interested, um, tomorrow for Hot Trend, we're just having a guest speaker to talk about mortgage notes investing. If you're interested in those uh, passive investment, if you want to be lazy, you have to have these, right? <laughs> passive mm-hmm. investment stuff. I like that's it. And thanks so much for your time, guys. Thanks, and everybody. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you all. It was Thank great. You. Thank you, guys. Have a nice one. Bye bye. All right. Bye. Bye. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.